Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 34, 34. of NerdPod Generations. Oh yeah, no, I actually remembered it this time. 34, yeah. which is kind of crazy. It's pretty crazy. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. And this is... <clears throat> Merry Christmas, sir. I know. The Christmas episode. It's the Christmas episode. Because we're recording this, folks, December 23rd. Because the next two days, I don't even want to think about the next two days. They're going to be the nightmare of all nightmares. For those of you who have children, you know that it is no longer fun at Christmas. It's let's get it over with so we can just go back to some resemblance of normalcy. My family has definitely gotten to the point now where they're trying to reinvent the Christmas wheel. And I'm just like, okay. No. No. It's just a holiday that you drink, you get through, and then you move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's not really my family's approach to Christmas. I know, and that's the problem. Yeah. That should be every film. All right, folks, my name is Steve Taylor. I am one of your lovely co-hosts. As always, here with uh, Mr. L. Johnson. Hello, sir. Hello, friends and enemies. How's it going, dude? Good, good, good. Yeah, but I mean, that's the problem. You know, it's the, the families that have the biggest issues are the ones that refuse to take some kind of either medicinal, alcohol, something to... Help get you through it. I will say my mom knows how to how to do it. Well, good. She's for her, gonna man. be doing mimosas in the morning with cake. Nice and like good Italian cake, like some special Italian fruit cake. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's um that's the the method that I'm gonna be mimicking. Nice. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, you said Italian fruit cake. You reminded me of I had my son for the first time listen to one of my favorite Christmas songs. Dominic the Italian Christmas Donkey. Have you ever heard that song? I don't, oh no, my I God. don't even know what you're talking about right now. There is a Christmas song called Dominic the Donkey, the Italian Christmas Donkey. And it's incredible. Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> and it's like as stereotyped as you could possibly get for a song about anything Italian. But it's fantastic. And my son was listening to it. He's like, what is this? I was like, I don't know. It's Dominic the Donkey, man. Before before I leave tonight, we'll have to listen to Dominic the Donkey. Oh, God, I think you'll yeah. get a kick out of it. Yeah, we'll have to at least we'll, we'll close with a bar of that. Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> All right, folks. So, so being episode 34, uh, that means that we have 33 episodes in the can, so they say. So they say. And they are pure gold. You can find us Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, pretty much whatever podcast site you would choose. I've actually typed up and Googled NerdPod Generations, and it's brought up some podcast things i didn't even know existed really yeah it was weird like hey. you google us sometime you'll be like oh oh that's weird oh okay oh, we're broadcasting out of this place yeah we're broadcasting everywhere cool. so we should have so many more listeners than we do right now and i cannot stress enough our show is pure gold we are geniuses you need to listen to us listen to what we have to say about pop culture nerd culture because we know what we're talking about. we run counter to a lot of the the typical streams yeah, we don't we don't really fall in line with a lot of the the usual nerd things, and we're highly critical yes. of some of the darlings out there, including franchises we love the most. Oh we yeah, are super critical. We're gonna be talking about one of those tonight. <sighs> we're gonna throw a little lead in here. Yeah, I think you have the exact same feeling about one of these things that okay. I do. So, what the show is gonna be today, folks, is we're gonna talk about the season finale of Hawkeye. And then we're going to roll into our review of Matrix 4, which just debuted yesterday on HBO Max and in theaters. Uh, First, though, we always like to start our show with what have we been watching, reading, playing. I think we should talk briefly about two trailers. If one of them is Doctor Strange, I can't speak to it. I haven't watched it. Okay, so one is the Doctor Strange trailer. Haven't watched it. I'm waiting to see Spider-Man. I'm seeing it on Monday. Okay. I want to have that taken care of i know it's not going to really matter in the long run but like i want to i want to get that set and square let's just say i'm not super excited about the doctor strange movie from the trailer your your anticipations have kind of limited or lowered at least they've lowered just because it's it's kind of like what i was talking about with Doctor Who, how it just seems like they've gotten themselves into a situation where the only thing they could possibly do with the multiverse and whatnot, especially dealing with Doctor Strange, who already deals in multiple universes and and realities, is it just seems like Christopher Nolan on absolute steroids. 
just completely convoluted all over the place. I mean, hopefully they can pull it together into some kind of cohesive narrative. But right now, just going off of the trailer and knowing Marvel, they like to put the whole movie in the trailer. This is like, one of the reasons the... I didn't want to see it. Yeah. And... I, I was looking at Far From Homecoming and I was like, they, they'll they spoil anything. Oh, absolutely. It's home... No Way Homecoming is only out for like five days and i fully anticipate that marvel is ready to spoil everything in that movie oh yeah um they're gonna put out a new commercial with a bunch of the oh yeah oh yeah i'm gonna have to be careful on sunday when i'm watching football because they're gonna have a bunch of trailers and it's gonna have all the climax sequences and all the twists and everything in it and it's gonna be like wow and that's what i did hear about this movie spider-man does climax oh on screen finally Spider webs, but what do, you, gonna say, what do you expect? I was going to say, does they have he shoot, to keep it PG? So he shoots the goo out of his hands. Okay, we got we to gotta go. That, that's one tangent I think we should give a rest for the holiday season because I think that was going down a bad alley. It's bad when I feed into Oh, your... I know. Normally you're just giving me looks, but now you're giving me more material. Yeah. It's like, no, man, don't do it. And I'm consciously doing it. Yes. I'm, I'm I, I luckily am, I am completely 100% with it tonight. <laughs> so I was able to self-correct myself. Which is not an easy thing for me because typically I've had some kind of uh, psychological manipulation before I come here, but not today. Yeah. Today I wanted to be fully with it to talk about these two things. Also, it's snowing, so I'm glad that it is snowing. You did yeah, that it's too. lightly snowing. Yeah, it it was. It's Rochester. Yeah, they say it's not gonna snow and it's a blizzard. They say it's gonna lightly snow and it's, you know. Yeah. That's the way we roll. So, so uh, now the other trailer. Did you see the new Uncharted trailer? I did actually watch this okay. one. Yes, I did watch this one. Did not do anything to make me want to see this movie anymore. I didn't do that for me either, but I didn't care in the first place. So I'm curious what you have to say about it now. Do you think well, it's going to work better seeing what they're doing? Because this looks different than the first trailer that they dropped. No, because I, once again, I, my biggest problem with this movie is Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And I know it's going to seem weird because his I, mustache Tom doesn't Holland sell is, you. The mustache at the end, and then they slightly. It seems like. And I watched the, tra- the the trailer came out today twice. The reason was I wanted to make sure I wasn't a little crazy because Mark Wahlberg, the way he talks in the beginning of the trailer when he doesn't have his mustache, is Mark Wahlberg. Oh yeah. But then at the end when he has the mustache, it sounded like he had a little more of a gravel in his voice. Which if you ever play the game, Sully has. He has a hey kid, you know. He has a more of a deeper kind of more of like a Harrison Ford type voice than a Mark Wahlberg voice. And it sounded almost like he was going for that. And I watched it a second time and I still heard it. So once again, I could be crazy. But to me, it was like, all right, you have Mark Wahlberg. And once again, every time I hear him, all I can think about is Andy Samberg doing, say hi to your mother for me, talking to the goats and stuff. How's it going, goat? Yeah. (laughs) You look sharp today. Say hi to your mother for me. Every time I hear him, that's all I can picture. All I can think of is. um, It's not Sully. All I can think of is, is Monkey Mark and the Funky Bunch, which was my brother's name for him after he did Planet of the Apes. Oh. Yeah, that movie's just bad. It's not I think good. he should forget about that. I think Tim Burton should forget about that. Like I think that. they have. I hope I, they You know have. what? I don't know that they remembered it in the first place. That's true. That felt kind of fever dreamy at times. See, that would have been one of those Paul movies Giamatti. that might have been nostalgic. If they hadn't made such great redos with Rise of the Planet of the Apes and I could and see that, that being like um like do you have you encountered this? Teens and young adults who argue that the Jim Carrey Grinch is great? Yes. It It's horrible. I can't. I can't. No, it's horrible. I can't do it. I can't do it. This is why we call ourselves generations, is because I look at that and I'm just like, You're wrong? Your nostalgia goggles are clouding your judgment here. All right. I love Secret of the Ooze, the second Ninja Turtles movie. I've talked about it before. I'm probably going to do a segment on it sometime because I think it's great. I fully admit that that movie, I love it for nostalgia purposes. If you came in in a vacuum and watched that movie, you'd be like, what the fuck is he going on about? So is the first one. Like, all the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle live-action movies are actually garbage. But... When you saw it as a kid, just like you're saying, you're like, oh my God. It's the most amazing thing in the world. It's the turtles. Yeah. 
even though right before I saw that movie, um, I had been watching the cartoon and I loved the cartoon, but then my brother gave me the original graphic novel. And after reading that, I was like, oh my God, this is dog shit. So, cause the graphic novel is amazing and it's insanely violent. So funny story. I want to hear this funny story. When I was a tot, like four or five major into Ninja Turtles. Like this was 92, 93. So like right as like they're coming out of the 80s into the the 90s before the big collapse in the the mid 90s. Mm. And I remember going to Wegmans and walking around with my dad, who's an avid comic book fan. And we found a Ninja Turtles comic. And he was just like, sure, let's, let's bring this home and let's read it. And in it Mikey's talking to April and his eyes have been gouged out and he has all these scars and he's talking about how all the other three turtles are dead and I'm just sitting there like this doesn't feel like the cartoon (laughs) this this doesn't seem like the cartoon at all those graphic novels were dark yeah and super violent yeah and so it it just blows my mind that they're looked at the way they are now and their beginning was that's the reboot that they should do. You want to talk about making a dark, oh gritty God. movie? Do a dark, gritty take on the original Ninja Turtles. Have it be like a space war like it is in the comics. Like, not even have Shredder, where Shredder, he's in like one issue of the comics. He's not yeah. a thing. Have, go that route. Go totally different than I think that would anything. have to be a made-for-TV animated. I would watch that stuff. Yeah. Like, I think that would be like, what DC does with their animated cartoons, I think they would have to do that with Ninja Turtles. I will say, and I'll, I'll bring this up again later, there was an element of The Matrix that made me want it to be an animated movie and not a live-action movie. And I don't mean that in a, oh, this would have been cool to see animated. It was one of those, I don't like looking at this. This makes me feel bad. I don't want to watch this in real life. This is yeah. no good. And so we'll come back to that. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. So you ready? Uh, well, I've been watching. Yeah, what have you been watching? So I watched this movie, Shadow in the Cloud. It's it's one of those movies where the title annoys you. Okay. Because it should be The Shadow in the Cloud or The Shadow in the Clouds or Shadow in the Clouds, something. But Shadow in the Cloud it stars Chloe Grace Moretz. Okay. This is a Max Landis biz. And it's kind of like secretly excellent really <laughs> this came out i think last year was when it actually came out i'm sure that it wasn't filmed last year i'm sure it was it was sitting on a shelf somewhere for a while um but this is directed by roseanne liang and written by max landis it's a uh chloe grace Moretz plays this uh female fighter pilot in world war ii I do recollect seeing the trailer for this. And she sneaks onto a, a Flying Fortress bomber. Mm. She has a package <clears throat> with her. And an actual real-life gremlin starts attacking the plane. It's really good. It <laughs> sounds amazing. It's really good. And, like, the, so the first part of it, it, it's so much more than your typical action movie. Uh-huh. Which Max Landis does what I call genre bending, where he takes these two genres and he kind of mixes them together. And sometimes you get something great like Mr. Right, where it's this action romance comedy. And sometimes you get something like, uh, what was the Bright with Will Smith? Oh, and, yeah. yeah. So sometimes it's... But this is one of the ones that I think works really well. Okay. And so it's done in part... I, I credit it to the director, because uh, she has this great vision mm. for the movie where when uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's character gets on the plane, the character's name is Maud, uh, when she gets on the plane in the first place, she has these documents saying, nobody's allowed to open this package and you have to fly me to this place because the commander says that you have to do it. And you can't ask me questions. And they're like, well, we don't like any of this, so you go in the, the little bubble turret the on the bottom yep. and she gets in there and she gets locked in there and she can't hear them talking so like there's just like five minutes of her looking around the turret and seeing all these pieces of it that are falling apart and like them taking off and her perspective as they take off in this plane 
And then she puts on the radio and she starts listening to all the terrible things they're saying. And as they're going through, you have this like, uh, it reminds me of Drive, you know, that neon color mm-hmm. kind of 80s style. You have these kind of like, um, if that was a, a bulb that was hung and like thrown. Okay. So you have the actor and this light comes up over them and then flashes back against him. Oh, that's kind of cool. And it's just like who the actor is, who's talking on the radio. Mm-hmm. So you have like this idea of like, oh, that's this person. Oh, that's this person. Oh, that's this person. And we don't see them again for like 40 minutes because the rest of that, the first act, is her in the bubble gun fighting the gremlin. Oh. And it's like they don't believe her. At one point she sees a Japanese fighter and they're like, the Japanese never come this far south because it takes place in New Zealand. They're like, the Japanese never come this far south. So she shoots down the gunner <laughs> or the fighter jet and they're like, oh, she wasn't lying. And then she's like, there's a monster down here. And they're like, monsters. And then the tail gunner's like, um, there's a big rat on the back of the plane. Are there big rats in New Zealand? And it just, it's so good. It's so It sounds very excellent. interesting. It's so excellent. What was it on? Where'd you watch it? I watched it on Hulu. Oh. Yeah, it's very good. It it's very, very good. I won't ruin the ending. I will say it has one of the most feminist endings I've ever seen. But I mean that in a really good way. Mm. It's a very empowering very female specific ending and like i think the gremlin doesn't rip off all the guys dicks or anything like that no no but there is definitely this moment of like you know i won't ruin anything but you know how the monster always comes back for one last scare oh yeah that happens and it's one of those like the the men have the the macguffin and the the gremlin comes back and steals it and she has to go back and get it and it's just like she comes back to him and and hands it to him and she's like, I told you not to lose this. And then goes, kicks the gremlin's ass. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I got to see it. It's very good. Very, it sounds very hit girlish as yes. far as her fighting. Oh, it's very good. It's very good. And it reminded me why I like Chloe Grace Moretz. It was a little weird seeing her as an adult. Because mm. <laughs> I still remember her in 500 Days of Summer. she still looks the same she did yeah. in that movie. She still has that same babyish face as yeah. she did in Kick-Ass and in 500 Days of Summer. And... Her voice hasn't changed that much. Yeah. So seeing her in this very adult female role where, like, you have guys making lewd comments about her, you're like, I don't know. I very about underrated this. also. Have you ever seen Hugo? No, I've never seen it. Hugo is a fantastic movie. That's the, the Scorsese movie he made for his granddaughter. Yes, and it is amazing. And she plays uh, one of the major roles in it. And I remember her saying that when she first went to audition, they were looking for someone British. And so she spoke in a perfect British accent that gave her the part. And not until halfway through filming did they realize that she wasn't British. That happens in this movie. Oh, it does? She she tr- she comes in and she has an accent. And as soon as she sees the gunner or the, the, the fighter pilot come by, she, she's, she drops the accent. And it takes like two or three seconds where like the captain's like, blah, 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 blah. And the radio guy's like, no, listen to her voice. She sounds different. What is going on? And it's like, this movie's really good. Oh, that's I awesome. like this movie I gotta a lot. I got to see it. I got to watch it. All right. That's on my list now. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yes. See, I'm learning from the show, folks. Imagine what you're learning from the show. Come on. Tell a friend. Tell everybody. Tell enemies. Tell everyone. Oh. Especially... Because we're going to talk about Hawkeye episode six. Oh my God, are we going to talk about the season this? finale? Oh, uh, here we go, folks. Okay, get ready. This is all spoilers. Yes, strap in for spoilers because we're going to hundred percent spoilers. I, we're going to come out the gate spoiling. Now, I'm going to make a proclamation. Okay. And I'm going to talk about something that happens at the end of the show. Go right ahead. If. They did actually kill Kingpin. What I'm done watching Marvel. What was the point of any of this? I'm done watching Marvel if he's dead. Yeah. I'm assuming he's not. He can't be. There's no way he would be dead. Either he knocked a gun out of her hands or he was able to knock it so she shot him in the shoulder or, or something. Or she like, decided to point up. Yeah. In one way or another, he's not dead. But, but, and this, I'm, there's two things. I'm going to come right out the gates and say it really didn't like this finale i really really didn't like it and there's several reasons why i didn't like it there's good things here yes there's the the fight between kingpin and kate bishop in the oh my god so good the moment when she shoots him in the chest and he's just like fuck it and it breaks the arrow so good and then she shoots 
the 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 wire and he just pulls her across the entire side. Oh, God, I love a Once again, fight. Vincent D'Onofrio literally knocked it out of the park. Oh my god. And it was a more comic booky kingpin. So I don't I like the cane a lot. Yes. Because that's a major component of the character. Is so good. Yes. What the hot holy fuck Hawaiian shirt. was he wearing? Hawaiian shirt. What the fuck is all of this? And how can you not address it ever? And yeah. he, he comes out in a Panama hat and a gold puka bead necklace. And I'm just sitting here like, no one's going to ask about this. <laughs> no that. one's going to bring this up yeah. at all. Kate's not going to bring this up. No one's going to bring this up. And the writers aren't going to tell us why they have made this befuddling and honestly fucking stupid choice because it robs the character of all the agency that you just spent five episodes setting up. What are you doing? Three seasons and five episodes. What are you doing? Yeah. You can't just slap a white sports coat on him and be like, it's Kingpin, it doesn't matter what he's wearing. No, it fucking really matters what he's wearing. And then you have kind of the audacity to show that you know what you're doing because the the way that Kate wins that fight is by flicking his cufflink, which if you've watched Daredevil, you know what that means. Uh-huh. So you know the chronology of what we're talking about here how can you come up with this stupid fucking decision that immediately undoes everything everything that we've waited for and everything that i've been excited about all of it is undone by this stupid hawaiian shirt yeah what the fuck are you doing that didn't make any sense i don't care that other elements of the the episode were really good there were elements of it that i liked a lot but what the See, fuck was this? I'm the this? same with you. I'm the same with you. There are elements I liked. The fight scene between her and Kingpin were amazing. Uh, the fight. I, I also liked the the fight with Hawkeye and Kate Bishop on the ice against all the bad that guys. Was that very was very pretty awesome. That was very good. Um, the what? the fight with Yelena and Kate in the office. That was that awesome. Was so good. That was waiting, so well done. I've been waiting since Winter Soldier for them to do something like that, and especially like the tracking nature of it. It was so good. It was so good. Those two in a show together, I would watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're so good together. So yeah. good. Yeah. But I will agree with you that I did not like it, and I'll tell you why. This was the most Marvel ending. Oh my god. MCU ending. Yeah. It not tied up things quickly. Like, like not, said, not well, just tied no. them off. For five episodes, they've been building up this dramatic, really well-done, well-written, well-acted show, and they tie it up with nonsense in the final yeah. 55 minutes. Yeah, and it, like, it was almost solely nonsense to the point where... So you have this whole thing with Kate's mom. Yes. Where Kate's mom is actually the villain, which sounds... And this is something that I noticed a few times while watching the show. Hawkeye feels a lot like a PG version of a Netflix show. You have these giant, beautiful New York apartments, upper high-end class people with these yes. big lives and these big problems. And then you have like kind of the, the down-home edge. But in Hawkeye, there's not really that much of it besides you have like the apartment building. Yeah. And that's really it, which there should have been more. But whatever, we're not going to get into that. Because I've talked about that too yes, much already. Too much. Um, but this had some of those elements. And her mom reminded me a lot of the villain from the first season of Iron Fist. Who's like this guy in this big penthouse. Yes. Pulling these strings. He has these children that are like... He hates his children, but he loves them. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like... So, her story ends with her getting arrested and turning to Kate and saying, You're really going to have your mother arrested on Christmas? Fucking yes! What the fuck are you talking about? Like, all of a sudden, the writing went downhill. The characters went downhill. The direction went downhill. And it was just like, there were just elements of it. Even simple things, like jokes that they do. 
there was this element of it that felt mean-spirited at times. The I'm looking at the pin particle usage here. Yes. I don't like that joke at all. No. And again, it's because you've spent five episodes setting up the tracksuits as these lovable buffoons. I don't want to think about how, at best, they're shrunk for the rest of their lives. And the owl's probably going to eat them. At worst, they get eaten by the owl. And it was a CGI owl right out of The Last Jedi with those little porgs or whatever Or the Rise of the Guardians or whatever, you know. It's like, really? Like, what are we doing? You need to put a CGI owl? And, like, that was fine when he lands in the tree. I was okay with the owl when he lands in the tree. I wasn't okay with that either. I was like, that's fine. But when it comes back, I was like, no, this is this is bad. This is not funny. This is really creepy. And it does that thing that Marvel does where they do something that's kind of heinous. Yes. And then they immediately make a joke. I'm looking at you, what if, where the wasp flies into Sharon Carter and then grows after she's been zombified. And her reaction is, oh, I'm covered in Sharon. And it's like, You're, you just had to kill your friend. What's wrong with you people? Who exploded in a million pieces. Are you sociopaths? Yeah. What's going on? How do you watch what just happened happen and not like think like, oh my God, let me put this micro machine in my pocket or something so I can take it to Scott because I didn't think out the solution to the problem. Yeah. Like there's just elements of that littered. The fact that they destroy the tree and Rockefeller Center for no reason. Like it'd be one thing if it was like how the whale crashes into GCT, Grand Central Terminal. Terminal, mm-hmm. But they don't steer the whale into the terminal. Yes, he just crashed into it. Kate knowingly destroys 30 Rock yeah. to get Clint out of a tree. Something that he should easily be able to, to do. To climb down the tree. What's going on with this script, guys? See, I tell you... I'm with you on everything you said. For me, my jump the shark moment was the Batman versus Superman moment. Everyone remembers the worst part of Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice is the Martha. Oh, yeah. Where Batman is going to kill Superman, he says Martha, and then all of a sudden, everyone forgot. This was Yelena about to kill Hawkeye, and then he starts whistling her sister's song. (laughs) All of a sudden, everything's forgotten, and she walks away. Yeah. I was like, what the f*** is that? Well, it was, again, and this actually kind of disproves what we've been saying about the writing being good. One of the things that Kelly picked up on was that they have not done enough to, to show how well Clint does or doesn't know Yelena. Because they haven't really established that strongly until now. Because they haven't done anything to establish anything about Clint at all. Yeah. And it's... I don't know, man. It's one of those things where I look back on it and uh, I think the fact that none of this has payoff is going to really hamper the the final outlook on this series for me. I think I'm going to look back on this and every time I watch it, it's just going to be like making promises you're not going to keep. I'll be honest. I was at – this was one of my favorite series. And I was I was probably close to a 9 out of 10 going into the final episode. Now I'd have to be a 7 out of 10. Oh, I'm lower than that. See, I, I won't let this episode – because once again, there was some good parts. And there was some parts I enjoyed. So I will let it drop two points. But I, I'm not going to let what they did sully some of the greatness that was in the previous five episodes. But this was. it. This looked like Marvel had this show. And after the first five episodes, they're like, that's oh, too dark. We need to make it into yep. an MCU movie. Yep. And this is why I don't like MCU movies anymore. And I have no interest in seeing any more MCU movies. When you look at kind of the arc of the series, the first three episodes, I would say, are really good. Fourth episode we talked about really wishy-washy. There's really nothing yeah, it's, there. It's not bad, not good. Not bad, not good. But like the first two episodes are just Kate and Clint. Yep. Third episode is Echo. Fourth episode is nothing. Fifth episode is Kingpin. Sixth episode is actually Kingpin's not going to be that great. Yeah. And so it's just like 
between that and the fact that this was always going to be a series that was playing from behind, that ending really, really did a number on its score for me. It's not like a full-on failout. You know, it's not a homecoming. Yeah, It's not one of those series or one of those things where I'm going to have to hate watch it if I ever see it again. But it is going to be littered with situations of... God, I wish you had done this. Yeah. God, I wish you had actually gone ahead and tried this. And I'll be honest, now after watching this, I wish they hadn't brought Kingpin back. This is my thing, is that you actually made it worse. You made it worse. You made it worse. You had the right actor, and at first he had the right tone. That scene where she says, I'm leaving, and he, like his face starts twitching. Yes. I was like, this is it. This is why we have yes. Kingpin. And then it's immediately undone. Yes. They turned him into the goofy comic book villain. I don't think I've ever seen Kingpin this stupid. Yes, exactly. I, I would say that even the Michael Clark Duncan Kingpin is smarter than this Kingpin. And that's unacceptable. Yes. That's unacceptable. It doesn't matter if you have Vincent D'Onofrio doing a great performance in one scene. The writing and the style and the costuming and the direction of all fold into this one miracle of awfulness that does a a reverse Deadpool. It takes this thing that we all loved and was awesome. And we were like, look how great an adaptation this is. And they were like, yeah, you like that? Want to see how far I can kick it? No, no, I don't want to see how far you can kick it. No, don't do that. That's not what we were doing here. The one thing that Marvel never understands, and this is the funny part because this is what Marvel was based on comic books is their stories were more based in reality. And if you look at the original Daredevil shows, those were realistic. Those were hyper-realistic. How the characters would act in real life and real situations, which is exactly what Stan Lee was aiming for when he created all these characters. And then this kingpin turned into a three-ring circus buffoon. Yep. And it's like, no, that's not what... That's not what we need... In the MCU at this moment, we have enough silliness. That wasn't what I had in mind when I said do the circus of crime. I didn't mean turn crime into a circus. Yeah. I meant do the circus of crime. Well, they listened to you and it's your fault now. No, they didn't. They they, they, they they listened to your words, but now your context. Uh, they, They're dumb enough <laughs> that they, they don't know what the circus of crime is. They're they like, might as well just uh-huh. put a red nose on Kingpin in yeah. that final fight. It's so bad. It's so immensely bad and when he's like stumbling and echo like this is my other thing don't even do that scene don't even do it it cut it when you see that he's not in the toy store anymore that's it he's gone okay he's still alive he's out there whatever the fuck this was is stupid and at best should be saved for the echo tv show you chose the worst option, yeah. which is to rush it out now and do it without any context. And at best, you're setting yourself up for a false death, which no oh, one I likes. Still can't. I'm so mad. And that's the best case scenario is that this is something that pisses off fans intentionally because you brought back a character everybody was excited for and then you killed him off. But maybe you didn't. And I'm just sitting here like, how is this a good solution? I was so mad. I wish you could have seen me when I had that final scene. I I was sitting. Let me paint this picture. My daughter was watching Moana and I was sitting next to her with an earbud in watching it on my phone because that, that's the only way I could get it in yesterday and see the Matrix as well. And I had to hold back saying so many bad words. Because I didn't want to do it with my daughter right there. But I was like, what in the hell did I just watch? Why did you do and this? And you could have set it up for like having him like walking away. And as he's walking away, you see a figure jumping on the rooftops. And it's Daredevil following him or something. There's you know, like a million things you could have done. A million different ways. And like even like there, there's nothing that can redeem what they chose to do here. This is a – this is – once again, Disney doing one of those Han Solo. No, no, no. 
who in this room thinks that this is a good idea? Raise your hand so I can send you out of the room so we can write a good story because you can't be here while we're trying to write a good story. And it's it's amazing, too, because there was a lot of excitement for a lot of people when they Disney got Marvel and they got um, Lucasfilms because everyone's like, oh, well, and Sony also, the, the Fox franchises. So like, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of money. They'll put a lot of effort behind it. But then now you're looking at the sanitized results of that. Because, like, we're never going to see Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, like we saw them on Netflix. Not like they were on Netflix. No. And that, they were brilliant shows on Netflix. Yeah. You bring that back now, I'm not going to be excited to see them. I'm going to be more concerned than I'm going to be anything else. Because I yes. just don't know. This should have been so, so much closer to Falcon Winter Soldier in tone and style. And it wasn't. And it once again leaves me scratching my head asking, who did you make this for? Who was this for? Because it's written for children. Yeah. But kids don't like Hawkeye. It's marketed towards teens and young adults, but they're going to hate the writing. Mm-hmm. It's trying to fix a short-sighted problem, which is the misuse of Hawkeye for over 10 years, mm-hmm. but it doesn't actually do that. So what is this? It's a it's an avenue to introduce Kate Bishop, which is great, and I'm excited that we're going to have the Young Avengers, something that I still haven't seen on any of their lists of things that are coming out yeah so i'm like when is young avengers going to happen because we have more young avengers than we're missing at this point we're missing like three members so i'm just like who is this for i don't know who is this for is this for like the marvel junkie who has to consume everything because i don't think even they're gonna like it i think if they're 13 and they have no concept of any of these characters in any other regard then they'll like it but I can't imagine anybody who's read the comics and has any affinity for the comic books looking at this and saying, oh, yeah, I'm satisfied. No. Even by the end of it, like the mid credit sequence of doing the entire Broadway production, while I can appreciate, by the end of that, I was just like, this is so cringy and bad. Yeah. This is so cringy and bad, and it just exemplifies everything of about this show, which is that on the surface, you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I like that. But then when you watch all those ideas play out in real time, you're like, no, the execution on this sucks. I love the idea that the the LARPers get into costume because people in this universe listen to people in costume, mm. except that that's barely used. And also they get into their LARPing costumes, which I get, but I was hoping that they were going to get into like superhero costumes. That's what I thought too. I thought they'd have like matching costumes. I was like, Oh, who are we going to use? Whose costumes are we going to implement in this? Well, nobody's, they're going to get into their LARPing costumes. Well, that wouldn't work. Nobody would look at them and say, Oh yes, LARPers. Let me listen to these people. They would do better wearing their fire and police gear than wearing yes. their LARPing costumes. And this was the perfect example of your take on the bad comedy thrown in. Yeah. You have this tense fight scene and all these, like, everything is coming to a head. And you're going to throw in this dumb comedy of that dude carrying the kid, screaming, the, the rich little brat. And it's like, no. You're completely changing the tone of what's currently going on. Where there are people literally fighting for their lives. And you're putting in stupid comic relief. Yeah. it's It didn't... Uh, so many elements of it just didn't work. No. And didn't even come close to working. Like, that. It, it, it was almost like I spent five weeks watching somebody build something in their garage. And then burn it. And then they never turned it on. They just set it on fire. Yeah. And you're just like, so... Yeah. What the fuck? You want to add... It? We'll throw this on the punt list. With Black Widow and Taskmaster and so many other occasions yeah. of just Marvel having an idea, starting the execution on it, and then just chickening out and saying, you know what? No, no, no. This is scaring me. Get it out of here. And this is the this is the thing that I think drives me the most nuts. Marvel wants to write these, and it's obvious, for the people who are not comic book fans, who caught on to the MCU train 
with the Avengers and all that. At this point, they don't technically but, need the comic book fans. But no, but this is the thing. You still need the comic book fans because the comic book fans are the ones that bring the other people to the theater. Because, like, my wife, not a huge comic book fan. She enjoys the Marvel movies. If I say to her, hey, you know, we're going to go see a Marvel movie, she'd be like, all right, let's go. But she's not going to go see it on her own. And I think there are a lot of those fans that they are banging on that are just going to go blindly see a Marvel movie, not knowing that there's that one nerd in their group that talks them all going in to see it. Yeah. And if that nerd like us is like, F you Marvel, you're not listening to anything we're saying or not doing anything we want or following any kind of logic, they're going to see a decrease. Well, and especially because there's a large sentiment since the result of Endgame mm-hmm. of, so we're all done. We can go home. We're all done. There's no after party. We can go home. And Marvel's like, no, 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 there is an after party. And we're all like, I don't know. And for a little while there, it seemed like a really great party. But between the movies and Hawkeye and honestly, elements of Loki, which I wasn't a super huge yeah, fan of. Yeah, I wasn't of, a huge fan. I felt like they wasted a lot of time in Loki. Yeah. Which, uh, it's a show about time travel. But no, I mean, Doctor Who is also a show about time travel, but I don't feel like I'm wasting my time exactly. with some of the plot lines that are happening here. This felt like there were moments where I was like, no, you're genuinely wasting my time. Yeah. I'm just looking at these and I'm like, man, you still need the hardcore fans who are really excited about Kingpin. Middling fans aren't, don't care about Kingpin. Middling fans aren't going to light up the internet with Kingpin. Yeah. It's your hardcore basers who are going to do that for you, man. And you can't give them this or Venom or any of these other garbage pieces. If you're going to give us this Kingpin, give us a different actor. I love Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. I think he is, in my opinion, the best Marvel villain ever in the MCU. But if this is how you're going to write him, cast somebody else. Don't do it. Just, just have a because you're gonna ruin those three seasons of Daredevil, which were so perfect, especially that third season. You know, I can't tell fans enough and people that I know that haven't seen it enough that third season of Daredevil is genius and it's dark and there's nothing fun in it. No, there's no comedy. It is not a happy season. No, and Vincent D'Onofrio is phenomenal. Him and Charlie Cox. I'm still so mad. That that show did not get any nominations for any awards because it's like, I don't give a shit about any other network television show or HBO or whatnot. No one acted better than those two in that season. And now you're going to bring in Wilson Fisk and, and Vincent D'Onofrio and you're going to turn them into a, a, a joke. Buffoon, a joke. A punchline. And, he, and there were so many, like you said, the twitching of the eye, the breaking off of the arrow. There were so many great moments with him. Just the use of the cane. Just the use of the cane alone was so excellent but (laughs) what the fuck is the rest of this you drew a really pretty picture on a really shitty cake it's a really shitty cake i can smell it from here it's bad it's shit cake yeah and man i'm not happy about that so i don't know if you could tell folks we're not fans of the final episode of hawkeye um i would still recommend watching the series because it has some great moments in it, but I would not go out of your way to do it. I would, my, I, I think, again, if I were to give this a score, unfortunately, its starting score wasn't even going to be a 10. Mm. It wasn't even going to be close to a 10. Uh, everything that happened just lowers it even further. So I think at this point, I'd put it at like a 5, maybe a 5-5. Five, five. Uh, I think episodes 1, 2, and 3 are very, very good. I think episode 5 is exciting with the idea that episode six is going to be great. Yes. But knowing that episode six is what it is, no I don't know that watching past episode three is really necessary. Also, why did they burn the costume? I'm so angry about this. Oh, I didn't want to, I did, did I didn't even want to bring that up. I don't want to bring that why, up. How could you not give it to echo? How could you not? I don't understand. I'm how, why? Why did we do this? Because it's not a Marvel property unless you tie a nice little bow on it and say the end. Bad guys are dead. Families are happy. Let's go. I also love the milk toast. She's just an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. So you were right. Yes. In the sense that they didn't have a deeper answer than, yeah, she used to work for S.H.I.E.L.D. Do you want to go into that? No, 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 yeah. no. She just worked for she S.H.I.E.L.D. She just worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. That's it. 
I'm wondering if they're going to do some kind of blasphemy where, remember at the end where Kate Bishop's trying to come up with different names? Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, I got one. And they end it. I wonder if he's going to call her Mockingbird. I don't think so. I think the the implication that I got there was that he was going to tell her to take the name Hawkeye. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's this bullshit Marvel. I would not be shocked if they did that. I just, man, I'm so annoyed. Yeah, it was bad. I'm so frustrated. So going from one frustrating thing to another. Oh, see, I like the Matrix more than I like this. I liked it a little more, but that's not saying much. Mm. Matrix 4. Mm-hmm. Just as I as I was mentioning to you prior to the show, I watched the first half last night, and I got bored. I fell asleep. So I watched the second half today. So the second half, which the majority of the story happens in the second half, so I very fresh in my mind. I put it on par with like two and three where they're taking a great property like the first matrix that should never have gotten sequels. And they made three meh. Okay. Sequels like this one. The best example I read online is somebody said it was like a fan film of a matrix. My issue. It does read like a fan film, like a fan film. It 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 really does. It reads not just like a fan film. There's two little veneer on the very clear metaphors that they're trying to pull off here oh yeah so i'm gonna start by saying i like this more than any of the other matrix sequels it's still not as good as the first one i will give you that it's better than two and three except for the highway chase and two the i mean the highway chase and two is one of the most immaculate pieces of cinema yes just period. Like that chase alone is better than the entire third movie. Whether we're talking about how they made it, the actual action of it itself, yeah. the pacing of it, like it's it one of those things where you brilliance. can take it apart. Pure and brilliance. Learn so much from it. Yeah. But I like this more than the other Matrix sequels. I will give you that, yes. I will say that this felt very self-absorbed and not in a really charming way. So the the basic plot is that we're back in the Matrix. Yes. And Neo is back to being Thomas Anderson, and he works at a company called Deus Machina. <gasps> where he created... Where he created a game called The, the Matrix, Matrix. Which had two sequels. Had two sequels. And... Was very philosophical, and now he's getting forced to make a new one. And what did... I'm not even going to call him Smith. That's blasphemy. I'm not even going to call him Smith. Where he says... They were going to make it without us, so we were kind of – our hands yeah. were forced on it. And it's like – That's the Wachowskis dude. talking directly to the audience. Well, saying, it's only Lana. I yeah. think it was only just the one. It's just one of them. But it, it's still it's still them saying, well, they were going to make this without us, so we decided to get involved so we could at least kind of guide it into port. And I, I can deeply appreciate that, but there's just so many moments where all they talk about is the matrix itself as a movie yeah and it just becomes this kind of self-filating thing after a while where you're like no yeah i get it no i i get it but can we not talk about this so in the way that they put it binarily yeah where like you're trying to tell me that this is the plot of the movie and i'm here to tell you that this is the plot of the pitch meeting that you had with Warner Brothers. Yes. And that you've come in and cleaned some stuff up, but that this still feels very much like a protest film made yes. by an original director who got kind of chased into doing it. So they made a movie directly mocking and condemning the studio that made them do it. Like, by name. And they I call can, out Warner Brothers out by Warner name. Brothers. And I can appreciate, and people have been saying that that term meta is overused. I don't think it is. Because they This took, is beyond meta. This is beyond meta. They took the meta too far. Way too far. Way too far. Like, Deadpool breaking the fourth wall meta, fun. Funny. Deadpool referencing, you know, are you Patrick Stewart or are you James McAvoy? Funny. This, having an entire sequence that's a pitch meeting about what makes the Matrix the Matrix mm-hmm. and whether gunfights are important to the Matrix and I or don't if it should get... be more philosophy. or When they keep showing the clips from the first movie and they're like, oh yeah, these are scenes from your video game. It's like, 
This doesn't look like a video game. That's it's a movie. It's this not, is a movie. It's not even a cutscene. It's not even like a CGI thing. They could have taken that original footage and like at least done like Scanner Darkly or something and made it look like a cutscene or something from yeah. a video game. There's elements of that that I like. I like the new Morpheus. I like him a lot. I like how they the how Morpheus. they explained him. Yes, I do like his, that his, where he comes from, how he is, what he is. He's yes. an ex agent. He's, he's not also really not, Morpheus. He's, he's not really Morpheus. He's not even a, a, a manifestation of like the ideals of Morpheus. Yes, he is Neo's version of Morpheus when he first met him. Yes, and that's it. <laughs> I but did appreciate that. I like the guy that plays him. I want to get his name right because he's, he's really, he really cool. In, um, and he was then, in Candyman. He was in Candyman. He was in Aquaman. He's and, in all the mans. And uh, Baywatch. He played the cop in Baywatch. Oh, yeah? Yep. Uh, I'm going to butcher this. Yaha Abdul Mateen II. Yeah. He's so good. He's good. And so is um, the, my favorite is What's-Her-Face from Iron Fist. Jessica Henwick. She I love Jessica Henwick. She's so good in this movie. Yeah. She and him are like the two saving graces of this movie. When they're on screen, I am all in. Yeah. When they're not there, I could care less. But when they're there, I am all in. But Jessica Henwick is amazing. She's amazing. She's amazing. She's in this such movie. a great actress. She was mind blowing, and plus, I got to keep on saying, "Use the Iron Fist" <laughs> every time she got into a fight. And I, you know, part of me was really hoping she was going to be good in this because she had turned down Shang Chi to be in this movie because mm. she was offered a role in Shang Chi. I wish she had taken it. Well, if she was going to play Colleen Wing, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, oh, only if she was going to play Colleen Wing. See, I'm wondering if she turned it down because it would have been a different character. If it was a different character, that's a, I totally get that. But yeah. if it was going to be Colleen Wing. I would have liked to have seen it, but if you want to work on The Matrix, I get it. Yeah. They cancel your show. You don't have any allegiance to Marvel right now. They yeah. don't even acknowledge your character in canon. I get it. And you get to play something different. Yeah, you get to do this. It's which not, is like a, you're Asian, so you're in an Asian movie. It's No, you're just a great actress. You're just a great actress playing a great character who's engaging and funny and has this great sense of morality and justice. Mm -hmm. And like some of the generals I remember in the original Matrix, I would kind of like, ugh, okay. But like... I really like Bugs. I really like the way that she approaches things. I really like the way that she approaches her personality and how she interacts with other people. And everything about her is just this really endearing yeah. character. No, she's awesome. She's awesome. And I like the, you know, her action scenes too, of course. She was, yeah. after seeing her in Iron Fist, you knew they were going to be on point. Um, I got to say, my two, the two characters I hated, Neil Patrick Harris's character as the new architect. Did not like. I just didn't think he fit tonally into the movie. Like at first he did kind of as a psychiatrist, and then he did turn into the mustache twirling like villain. When he turned into Barney from How I Met Your yeah, Mother, I was trying like, to do a plot. I was like, okay, this because he wasn't this is too much. You know, I know he's he's pro human. He wants to be more like he wants the Matrix to be more human. But like they had him talking way like. Any computer wouldn't be as, like, smooth talking. I mean, I get Even it because it's, like, it's the Matrix, so it's going to be super talky. So, yes. like, I'll, I'll grant that. And this was better than the last time we talked to an architect, which was just, like, oh, that was awful. I'm going to die. The Shoot only great the thing about that architect is when South Park did uh, the Walmart special. Where him at the end, and he goes, oh, I'll take my mustache. He throws his mustache on the ground, and he starts stomping around. It was like, oh, okay, that's pretty awesome. So, like, I, I like that, but, like, again, you ran into this problem by the end where he shows that he has full control over bullet time now. And he uses it once. And, they just and then he forgets to use it ever again. And I'm just sitting here like, okay, I mean, if I totally ignore certain elements of this finale it's fine but if i'm being honest i wish that this was a movie that didn't have trinity and neo in it and it was just about the new age of zion or io or wherever we want to set mm -hmm. it and you can have niobe in it as a tie-in back to the originals but i don't think keanu reeves needs to be here i don't think carrie ann moss needs to be here i don't think that this storyline needs to be here and it's like most of the movie which isn't bad but it, it gets repetitive because it's like every time anything happens, 
it's either immediately undone or it's completely pointless to the plot. Yeah. Neo gets arrested. He's immediately broken. Like, immediately. They close the door and he's broken out of prison. Yeah. There's going to be a court martial. There's not going to be a court martial. We're, we, we can't possibly ever convince Niobe to go along with this plan. Niobe's going to introduce the plan. Yeah. Which the generals don't even need to be told because they're so in tow with her. And I'm just like... Hey, all you need is a Jonas Brothers wife. I, I'm That's just, all you need. I'm just looking She'll at this. She'll teach you how to do it. And I'm just like... It's, it's fine, but you kind of fell apart here. I'd so much rather talk about the the difference between the above ground and the below ground. I'd rather talk about the inclusion of the machines into the human society. Mm -hmm. I love... That the, was a very interesting. I love the the magnetic ball that system that they use for the AIs. Yes. There's so many things here that I love. Why aren't we doing anything with this? Why are we stuck in this mud pile? And I'm sure that this is what Lana Wachowski felt the entire time was like, but we could go over here, we could do these cool yeah. things, and then the studio was like, no, but bullet time. And like, but that's the plot of the movie is that's exactly what happens is this cool thing happens over here and there's some philosophy and then some character was it will almost literally shout no but bullet time and then there will be like a, a harlem shake style fight for 20 minutes <laughs> and, and it's just like it's not bad it's fine compared to other matrix sequels it's good the problem is that to know anything about this movie or to understand what's going on, you do have to sit through the really bad Matrix movies. Like, yeah. that's the other thing is that it didn't even try something like Halloween or Candyman where it lopped off part of its chronology mm. so that it could be a new freestanding system. Mm -hmm. This is like, no, no, no. Those movies totally happen. Yeah, 100%. This picks up after Matrix 3. Uh, okay. Because you don't have to. <laughs> I think everybody would be okay if we just did The Matrix and it didn't have anything to do with Neo and Trinity. Yeah. I think people would be cool if they just had big golden statues like Morpheus has. Also, I was kind of confused by certain things in that sequence. What's that? Where the, he, Neo's like, what happened to Zion? And they smash cut to Niobe showing him the statue of Morpheus surrounded by candles. And then she talks about how there was this schism in machine society. And then that's like the explanation that we're given. Yeah. And I'm like, so the machines invaded Zion? I gotta Could we say, say it? Could we put it in words? Jada maybe? Pinkett Smith's makeup. Oh, it was a little cake. Distracting. It was a little cake. It was so distracting. I was like, "Oh, that's horrible for them." He was really John to see in some some light. It was there. bad. It was really bad. It was really bad. And that's a couple things I noticed in this movie was some of the special effects, makeup, just not good. Like some of the fight scenes just weren't good. They were better than they were in the early not uh, early two thousands, but that's not saying much. That's not saying a lot. Yeah. Get back to my my second big problem was Smith. Yeah. Like, I like the idea on how he was this program that was freed. And he has a little more free will. But to turn him into this swarmy young asshole, I thought, was a huge mistake. Yeah. The they should have gotten some grizzled, like, Randy Couture or some, like, grizzled, muscular... Like, make him into this, like, evil person... But not make him look like a used car salesman. Well, like the idea, I love Jonathan Groff. Mm. And when he and uh, Neil Patrick Harris started fighting, I fully sat on the couch mm. screaming, Broadway boy fight! Broadway boy fight! <laughs> That's funny. But, I, you know, every time they told me it was Agent Smith, I was like, sure, it's Agent Smith, wink, wink. Yeah. Right, it's Agent Smith. Because we all know it's not. I'll play along because I want to see what you do, mm -hmm. but the guy kind of has to act a little like Agent yeah. Smith for us to believe that he's in any way Agent Smith. And so this whole idea that he's just been kicking around in this sub-matrix connected to Neo for reasons, mainly because the architect was spiting him and also wanted to keep him near Neo to keep the chemistry going. so confusing. And I'm just like... Okay, okay, okay. No, I get it. Okay, I think I get it. Maybe I don't get it. 
And so you, you have like 90 million of those moments mixed in with moments that are literally shot replica of the first ones, yeah. which is like fine. But after a while, you're like, so if I only like the moments of this movie that are perfect replicas of the first movie, does that mean I don't like this movie? Mm. Like it, But that's kind of what this movie's all about. This was a totally unnecessary movie. This was a movie that I'm super glad I did not spend money on. I'm glad I didn't spend money on it. I'm glad I didn't see it right now with everything going on with COVID. I, I'm glad I didn't see it because that sequence where the bots are killing themselves mm-hmm. would have been too much for me to watch on screen. So for, for context, within the Matrix, there's this new weapon, which is called bots. And they're machines that look like people and act like people and behave like people. We're not told whether they think they're people. That part is unclear. Yeah. But at a moment's notice, they can be triggered so that you can surround any infiltrating agents or whatever matrix people that are trying to do things Mm -hmm. and kick them out, which again, like this was again, another part that I was confused by. Yeah. It was because like if the machines are now in line with the humans, but now there's a splinter cell. So how much of the machine culture is this? And why are the humans still underground? Just a lot of questions like that. So I, at one point, in order to stop Neo and Trinity from escaping, Neil Patrick Harris initiates this swarm where all the bots do everything they can to stop Neo and Trinity, including but not limited to waking up out of bed and throwing themselves out of high-rise windows, crashing into the pavement in tons of splatter. And it's like... 500 of them. Yeah. That was the one scene where I was like, I really don't like this. Yeah. If this was animated, I'd be put off by it. The fact that it's CGI animated does not help at all. This is awful. And I hate it. It's not an action sequence. It's a nightmare. Yeah. And so I, I didn't care for that one. There's a lot of elements that I do like about this. But if I'm being honest, it's the the Merovingian stuff. That was the scene where I was like, I think I might be done. Mm-hmm. When he calls out Zuckerberg by name, mm-hmm. I was like, I think I might be done. I think I'm done. I think I'm tapped. I think that's as meta as I can get. I agree. The fact that you're blaming the Matrix sequels for Zuckerberg and Bezos. and uh, I can't do whatever this is. I like it in concept. I liked it while I was watching it. I think the longer I think about it, the more I'm going to be like, it's good. It's not great. No. It's better than the other ones. It's not this as good as the first one. This is a solid six out of ten for me. Yeah. I'd, I'd put it around a six as well. Yeah. I was teetering with the five, but there were after watching it at the end, I was like, there are a couple things I did really like. Some of the acting is spectacular. Yes. Neil Patrick Harris in the beginning is really good. Neil Patrick Harris in the end is really bad. Yeah. But once again, it's just the writing. It got really fan servicey, mm-hmm. like two thirds. It's a of the way very member berry movie. It's super member berry, and then they do that thing that they sometimes do now, where they do member berries with a twist of lime. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different. It's still a member berry, but it's a little different. A little different, like Morpheus. Yeah. That's yeah. Morpheus. Well, that's our review of Matrix Four, and that's our episode. That's episode thirty-four. Yeah. Christmas episode. Christmas. Do you want to talk about? I have been boosted. Oh, nice. You have been boosted. We've been boosted. We have both received the gift that Arnold Schwarzenegger did not want in Jingle All the Way. We have gotten that booster. Oh my god. He don't want no booster. I want the booster. I got the booster. <laughs> Nobody wants booster. <laughs> booster? I don't want no booster. I love your Arnold accent. That's the worst Arnold accent so I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Merry I Christmas. I don't think we need to talk about anything else after that. That's Merry Christmas, ending. everyone. Once again, listen to us, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find me at staylorbooks.com. You can find me at judsomstudio.org under the Bronx Division tab. And make sure to tune in next week. Next week is the Witcher extravaganza, and we might just have to talk about Spider-Man Far From Homecoming. I'm planning to on kick off the it show. 
I'm planning on seeing it on Monday. If my brain has been recongealed and I can kind of get it in my head in one capacity or another, or if I just haven't suffered traumatic brain failure, we'll talk about it. All right. Traumatic brain failure. This is the level I'm That's how at. we're ending our show tonight, folks. Traumatic brain failure. Right before Christmas. Right before Christmas. <laughs> All right. Have a wonderful evening, everyone, and a very Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas, friends and enemies.